I stand by my belief that God can use all kinds of people, young, old. Um, one of the beautiful things that, of this group here, Liz is the, there's a couple that aren't pictured there. Uh, Teresa's not in there either. But when we went down there, Vicky's next to a lady, for example, named Sue. And Sue is from Idaho. Sue was such a godly woman. And in just, just in a side moment talking to her, she, I don't know why she said this, but out of the blue she said, listen, I've learned in life one of two things. Either God causes it or God allows it. And this is something I've heard forever. I've known for a long time. But just the way she put it spoke to me. God either causes it or allows it. And so that's what we have to wrestle with sometimes. Um, the blessings and also the trials of life. Chris, the, the white-haired lady, she, she's been living down there for 10 years. And she got up one morning in chapel and she told her testimony about how she got in with the wrong crowd and life took her in a different direction and she came to the Lord. And then she ended up serving full-time in missions. Um, Clarissa, or Anna is her middle name, lives down there and she's lived down there her whole life. She speaks both English and Spanish. She, she was our translator for, for some of the outings that we did. And, and then over there, you've got uh, Sharon, our cook, who actually leads worship in two churches and is a beautiful musician. But just how God put people together and the chemistry together, he built the team. Even on the way home, as we were in a long line for a couple of hours to cross the border, we had a good time. And Lord willing, uh, the dates are set next year if we want to team up with the Idaho team. It's going to be June 14 through 22. Um, inflation. I will say that it was the Lord gave a donation through the Idaho church of $3,000 that helped offset the cost this year. When you guys give, it goes a long way. And it means a lot in terms of what we're able to do in serving the Lord. And before we left, um, I was going to put this in my sermon, but... There was a miracle, we took an offering, and with the money that our team had left over and that everybody else contributed, $920 cash, 250 pesos were left for the missionaries and for the ministry. Amen. And what was perfect about that is, I knew we had about $500, but as I was listening to the needs, I was saying to myself, God, it's not enough, God, it's not enough, I don't know how you're going to provide and what we left behind, I truly believe, was exactly what they needed at that time, based on what I was listening to for needs. And so, what an awesome opportunity to see God work. Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Isaiah 6, and while you do, I'm just going to show a short snippet of a song. If I could get the computer to play some audio. <laughs> It's just so beautiful to listen to these kids. And to partner with them.
I hate to turn that off, but when you're on mission, it is just so exciting. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I'm going to start and be reading from Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, and the short message is titled, On Mission. Isaiah writes, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and a train, the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, Isaiah cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, and with it he touched my lips, my mouth, and said, See, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I cried out and said, Here I am, send me. This was a passage that in Bible college, Bible school, they would mention the call of the Lord. As the call of the Lord comes to you and how God speaks to you and wants to use you. And, and you heard the story, if you were here last week, we went out to eat at this taco restaurant. And, and the food was delicious and it was beyond the taste that we get here in the States when it comes to Mexican food and tacos. But this guy came coming out like a waiter and he had a big bowl kind of resting on his shoulders. And, and I looked at it thinking it was food and all of a sudden I stepped back because it was full of hot coals. And you get this image of, from Isaiah of this hot coal touching the mouth. You know, that would burn the mouth off. You'd get beyond blisters. It's, it's unthinkable. And then I was, I was meditating on that this last week. What is the writer here? What is God here really trying to get at? It's this. That our holiness comes from the Lord. Our sense of being holy, set apart. Our sense of being called. Our sense of commission. It comes from the Lord. And maybe you've heard the phrase, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. It's nothing in us inherently that's righteous or worthy, but it's how God transforms us. He brings the holiness. And with Isaiah and that vision, it was with the touch of the hot coal on the mouth. It was Isaiah experiencing the seraphim, these celestial beings crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory and humbly coming before him and saying, okay, God, I surrender. Whatever you want me to do, what you're calling me to do, I will bow down and do it. And God doesn't call a qualified. He qualifies the call. And he says, I will set you apart. There's another passage in scripture. I set you apart from your mother's womb. But it does not take a commission like Isaiah to be obedient to the command of Christ. Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore, 
Go into all the world. Make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. See, this calling from God is not only a matter of being and doing what we are, but it's also becoming what we are not yet, but are called by God to be. That's a quote from Oz Guinness. God transforms us as we're obedient to the call. And the call is to go, and the command is to go. And every one of us has been called to go, and that as we go, Matthew 28 is really best interpreted as you go, as Christians into the world, make disciples of all nations, whoever you meet. Oz Guinness says again in his book, The Call, we are not primarily called to do something or go somewhere. We are called to someone. We are not called first to special work, but to God. And the key to answering the call is to be devoted to no one and to nothing above God himself. Some of the most precious times I believe that we had while we were there in the wilderness, in the desert, was every day, 30 minutes alone with God, just for starters. Then we went to chapel, we sang and we worshiped together and we heard and, and, and encouraged one another through the word. And every one of the, the team members that went to Mexico sensed in some way, shape or form the call of God on their life. Even others had sensed some type of a call but chose not to go. But I believe that every Christian should invest at least one week or more of their life on a short-term mission trip, I'm going to give you five reasons why. First reason is this. First reason to go on an STM is because Jesus took his disciples on short-term missions. And you read about it in the scripture where his first disciples that were out fishing and they're getting out of their boats and they're mending their nets and they're cleaning up after the catch. And Christ calls out to them, come and follow me. The, 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 the general call, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of people. Uh, you're fishing for food, I'm going to challenge you and equip you to fish for something more. And so they came and they followed him. The call to follow Jesus is to go where he goes, not to say, Jesus, follow me, where I want to go. But the call goes out and then after that, later on, he sent them out two by two. He sent them out two by two and he said, I want you to see what you see that I'm seeing. I, I want you to do what I've been doing. I want you to say what I've been saying, which was basically a message calling people to a relationship with God. And Jesus often took his disciples on field trips from the miraculous feeding of the 5,000 on one occasion to 4,000 on another. And that was just the number of men, not women and children as well, add to that number. He took them out on some healing miracle experiences. Many, many. From the paralytic whose mat came busting through the ceiling. And everywhere Jesus went, he was on mission. And his disciples were learning as they were going. And then he turned around and he said, I want you to do what you've seen me doing. But there was one field trip in particular that stands out to me. The one I like most is actually in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus takes his disciples to Caesarea Philippi, pagan city in the foothills of Mount Hermon. 
Now, mind you, there are some who believe that Jesus' disciples at the time, that some of them may have been teenagers. I think that's a fascinating thought. But there was this place in Caesarea Philippi called Pan's Grotto. You'll see a, a hole in the cave right here, but here's kind of the artist's rendition of what they believe it was back then. See, it was a, a place of dedication and worship to the Greek god Pan. Pan's grotto was the Roman fertility god, uh, more or less bestial in form. Pan was also the god of the wild, shepherds and flocks, rustic music and impromptus and companion of the nymphs. And there was this whole ledge of the cliff. The idea here in I heard a preacher share this, where Jesus grabs his disciples. He says, let's take this trip to Caesarea Philippi and imagine going to the top of the cliff and looking down below this place of idol worship, this place of idolatry. I've heard another story where there were etches in the rock where they would place other gods, their, their statues, their, their figurines would be in these little enclaves all over the rock so that they could come to this place and worship and sacrifice to their pagan gods. And it's in this passage where Jesus takes his disciples in Matthew 16, starting in verse 13, and he says this, who do people say the Son of Man is? Basically, who do you say that I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But Jesus says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter was the one who answered, and he said, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. See, imagine again, Jesus, if, if they were to be at the top of this cliff looking down, here's what Jesus says next. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. That rock, Peter, Petra, his name means rock. But imagine if they're at Caesarea Philippi standing and overlooking, looking down on this pagan shrine, on this rock, and Christ says, on this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not overcome it. Christ is going to destroy. He's going to smash all these false gods. He came to defeat this, the enemy, which is Satan. He, he, he came to, to, so that we could do battle and overcome in the name of Jesus, demons. I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I'm going to build my church. So they're staring down at the gates of hell. And Christ says, you're going to conquer this epic declaration took place on what I believe was one of Jesus' short-term mission trips with his disciples. And so the first reason to go is because Jesus took his disciples in. But the second reason to go is to see the world as God sees it. To see the world as God sees it. To get out of our normal surroundings into another place where the way they do things, just the minute we cross the border, the minute we cross the Mexico border, the sights, the sounds and the smells. You can notice the smell. It was night and day. And to consider where people live, where they go about their work, their business, how they survive. 
looking at it through the lens of another culture. And then put on top of that John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish. That there is a whole nother world out there and the way they do things, they do things differently. On Sunday when we had free time, we went to this marketplace and this marketplace is totally beautiful. But while I was down there, I, I learned something that even the person who goes down and pumps gas and works 40 hours a week pumping gas, they make $52 a week times four. That's $208 a month. And the things at the marketplace weren't cheap. They weren't free. There was a section and I didn't take a picture of it there. I saw a, a guy and a, a, a gal looking at this fan. And I could just imagine what was going through her head as she looked longingly at the fan and saying to her significant other, I wish we had one of these. And, and he was kind of shaking his head no. And they went to scoot around and look at something else. And I called over the, the store owner or attendant. I said, how much is the fan? Tried to. All of a sudden, he disappeared and never came back. And the couple wandered off. But... How I was wishing I could just buy that fan and send it so that they could have... If, you, if you've ever tried to sleep in the heat of the desert without a fan on, some fresh air. But God allowed us to experience the, the, the culture and not only that, to see the world as God sees it. Running water. You realize a third of the world does not have clean drinking water, but even more than that, don't have running water. As Maria was talking about the hot showers, or what or was that, Vicky? The hot showers. Three years ago, we weren't heating our water regularly for the shower. This year became more like, hey, that's a good idea. But I believe every Christian should spend at least one week of their life going on a short-term mission to another country, another place to experience the culture and the people. Here you've got our um, leader from Idaho. His name is Randy. And over here's Jake, who's a pastor in Wyoming. And they were very, very uh, significant leaders on our trip. We went out to lunch again. Again, the food is incredible and delicious. But here's a third reason every Christian should invest at least one week. To get out of your comfort zone. To get out of your comfort zone. And, and here's a picture outside of the restrooms. You can see over there the big blue, blue buckets. This truck comes around whenever they need it, they call on it, and up on almost the roof of every house is like 200 to 500 gallon drum where they put water in there. And then when you need to, you get the hose in it, you fill up the bucket there. And then when you're ready to take a shower or flush the toilet or do a dozen other things, you take a bucket like this, you dip it into that water. If you want, your waist to go down, you fill it up, and sometimes, you've heard of 2,000 flushes, right? <laughs> the shower, scoop it up, you take a bowl, you wet your body, and then you rinse it off later. And that water just sits there all day. And there's bacteria in that water, you don't want to get it in your mouth. That's not the drinking water we're talking about. God used every person on this trip we did not know what we were going to encounter. 
So it puts you out of your comfort zone. One of the, if you ever go on a mission trip, one of the biggest difficulties or dangers or the things the enemy uses is conflict among the team. Because you've got these personalities going down and Satan likes to stir the pot. And I've got to say, on this trip, God, I didn't really detect a whole lot of that at all. God just really orchestrated a beautiful, beautiful group of people. And the chemistry was incredible. And these are people that I look forward to doing ministry again. But out of your comfort zone, Randy, our, our leader, said, when you get home, some of you need to take a five-gallon bucket, put it in your shower, and tell your family, we're, we're going to do this for a week. <laughs> but it's in that season that God stretches us. He molds us. He causes us to grow. And we grow in dependence upon God. Another reason to go is to see God work. To see God work, to see God work, to see God answer prayer. Uh, when we made the decision and commitment to go to Mexico, I did not know how I was going to pay for it. I hate fundraising. I lose money at fundraising. I don't like to ask people for much of anything. But you know what? God did the work. And there will be people that said, well, I didn't go because I didn't know how I would afford it. Guess what? God when he calls you, doesn't ask you how you're going to afford it. He wants us to do the work, but he also says, trust in me. And that's part of the miracle. You may not know how you could do it. But if God tugs at your heart that you need to do something, and I'm not just talking Mexico. I'm not talking outside of the States. I'm talking in your backyard, neighbor next door. You trust him to help you do it. If it's money... This picture here is of Murillo. And in our first trip in 2018, we went down and as we went to the beach, which is just a mile away, um, Thano, who went with us, and some other guys were out swimming in the water and I saw these dorsal fins and I yelled shark. Fortunately, they were just porpoises. Um, and Thano got close enough to see the, the color of the light glisten off of, of the skin, and it was like a rainbow, just beautiful. And he came back, and because he loves going down to Pacific City with his dad when he lived out here, and, and going out into the water with a little kayak that's got a, a float on the side to, to stabilize it, he loves to fish in the ocean. He said, these people need a harpoon. And so he gave me a harpoon a few years ago, and he said, I get this to Mexico. So it sat in my garage, and last year when we went, we had gone on vacation first. I didn't think of the harpoon. This year I was like, we got to get the harpoon. So we sent it down with Liz and her van. She and the kids drove to the border. And we get down to Mexican Medical. We're loading the vans the, the, the morning that we're going to head across the border. And Randy, he says, I don't want the harpoon in my vehicle. Because if, if they search our vehicle and they find this harpoon, we're going to have some explaining to do. Jake was driving the other man. He's like, I don't care about the harpoon. He'd be like Big Dan over here. And so we shoved the harpoon in the vehicle, and it was wrapped in cardboard. And we're driving down the border. We get to border crossing, and there's some laughter. And well, what's so funny? What's so funny? And... Um, when we, they even made us pull over and they opened the back and they started searching in the back there and we're busting up laughing and one of the girls from uh, Wyoming, she goes, what's so funny? We got a harpoon in here. 
She goes, where's the harpoon? I don't see a harpoon. I said, you're sitting on it. <laughs> anyway, they didn't, they didn't go to uncover the harpoon. To see God work, when we got down there, Marilio, whose wife is struggling and has been struggling with, with a disease, and she, they've got to go eight hours just to see a doctor, and they're going through hard times. They finally, after two years, got the boat so that it will run. And then they had the inspectors come out and they weren't going to pass the boat inspection until they found out that the mission there had a, an albano, a bathroom. And after the inspector came out from the bathroom, he quickly signed off to approve the boat. They just got this done a few days before we arrived and this harpoon was like a, another miracle answer to prayer, out of the blue, confirmation of God's blessing because he needs that boat. Maybe even the harpoon. He needs it to do fishing to make some money to help care for his wife who has some major medical. And to see God work even in something, even the delay of a year, and now the harpoon comes and it's exactly what they need. Jocelyn and Michael sent with us a bag of soccer balls and football and frisbee. And so we got down there, we're airing them up. It was exactly what we needed when we went up to that park. Um, I won't tell this story. This is Rebel. Rebel without a cause. Wasn't being cared for. Before we left, we had to give him a proper burial. It was sad. But even how God orchestrated everybody could be there who had been part of his life for the last few years. And even though it was difficult, and there were tears shed, we still sense the goodness of God. To see God at work strengthening, strengthening our faith, growing in him, trusting him, that concentrated time where our focus is on him. And both Jake and Randy, with their churches, they're from the Christian Missionary Alliance. Here's the fifth and final reason to go on a short-term mission is because, and they taught this and they believe this, short-term mission is their number one discipleship tool. If you want to learn what it means to follow Jesus, is it come by sitting in a sanctuary week after week, attending a small group Bible study? Yeah. Is it by loving your neighbor and going out and serving in your community? Yeah. But when you go for a whole week or more and you're wholly devoted, that's your whole experience. They would say that's the number one discipleship tool for deepening your faith and growing in the Lord and realizing more fully what it means to walk with Jesus. Realize that holiness, that ability to go and serve comes from the Lord. It's not because we're all that good. But it's because of his greatness. And so everything from getting stuck in the sand uh, to driving five miles in three hours. And it's amazing nobody had to go to the bathroom. And we made it through that time with joy. Um, rolling up our sleeves. Hands in. Let me just show a real quick picture here. When they said we're going to take out the trash, we loaded up in the truck and started driving. And we're driving forever. Don't ask me how to get those directions again. And we're, we're, we're at this point, and Marilio, he goes, do you see that place in the distance, the little white one? And I was like, yeah, no. It was there. 
we get there, and here's the crew in the back. I got to ride in the cab with Murillo. Here's the truck. Out in the middle of nowhere. One of the cool things, how God gives little treasures. Jakey and Elijah brought their Legos down to on the mission trip. And they get outside, and, and Liz already talked about how they found the little broken pot. Uh, <laughs> Elijah finds a big piece of Lego. I mean, how good is God to, to give these little treasures? And, and so the reason to go is how God moves, how he works, how he opens doors, how he wakes us up to what we need to see about what he wants to do in this world. And they were right. We showed up at this playground, five or six kids wandering around. We pull in, we park our vehicles. Within 45 minutes, there's 80 to 90. And they just flooded out of nowhere. Even the village that you lived in, if you looked up on the hill, you'd say, oh, there's five, six, seven, maybe 10 houses. And you get up the hill on a steep curve and it's a village. And there are people everywhere. Work projects. This is going to be, I call it a, a katina, a cantina. This is going to be like a little restaurant on the mission complex to help the local pastors who are bakers and wonderful cooks to be able to have parties and host and, and, and derive some income because that, that's a big need right now. And that was just one of the several things we did while we were there. Skip that one. Devotion time. But I encourage you to go. I encourage you to pray and ask God, where would you have me go to next? And maybe this week, you take a look off your porch, you look to the right or to the left, that your neighbor, that home, you'll be driving down the road, you'll spot something. You don't have to wait until later. You can pray, God, where would you have me to go right now? What would you have me do even today? I want to thank each one of you. Here's the word that says gracias. Thank you guys for making it possible for us to go. From donating rugs to buying a rug. Uh, from uh, Nora putting a beautiful party. From Vicky calling me up and saying I'm doing a yard sale. And I've got some money to make it possible for you to go. To each one of you who gave and each one of you who prayed. And each one of you who continues to serve the Lord in big and small ways. I believe every Christian should take at least one week of their life and go on a short-term mission. Let's pray. So God, today is a day of thanks. Today is a day that we remember and we celebrate your goodness. And God, as we gather here in worship, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ over there. Compared to what we have here, in some ways, God, they have so much more. Because they're not as dependent upon the trappings and upon the paychecks and upon the plenty, but they're dependent on their basic needs, their daily bread, and they look to you and you supply. And sometimes the joy on their faces is greater than what we experience with all our luxuries. But God, everywhere we see signs of your good glory and your goodness. And we're reminded, God, that you are holy. And our holiness only comes from you. The call and the commission come to us all as a command of Christ. 
And specifically, God, you lead us in different ways. And I just pray today that the call of God would be upon this people. That the commission you give would resonate to the heart, God, that you'd speak to people and say, here's what I want you to do and here's where I want you to go. But most importantly, Lord, the call is to someone. And that call is to Jesus. That we pick up our cross daily and follow him. That wherever God you lead, we will follow. And however it is you want us to give, to go, to pray, or to serve. May we do. Thank you, God, for these testimonies and for your mighty work and for your son and for salvation. God, just as a final story, thanking you, but also telling the crowd, I had a group of teenagers come to me and they wanted to talk and there was a language barrier, but they pulled out their phone and they were using Google Translate to find out where I lived and how old I was and if I had a family and they wanted to converse. And as we, we talked, and there were four of them, I, I asked them, do you go to church? And all of them except for one, and he was very open to say no. But by the end of the conversation, I looked at them and I said, I pray that I will see each one of you in heaven. And they all understood what that meant. God, that's a big reason why we go. We pray that people would know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys this morning and thank you for each of the team members who shared.